Thank Chief, you. thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Uh, it is my distinct honor. I've read a lot about you and uh, we've had several encounters uh, as our church has hosted uh, several of the uh, uh, cadet graduations, uh, graduations yes. there. And uh, I remember picking up the newspaper <laughs> and I saw that Houston had a new chief. And so I, I'll be uh, quite frank, when I saw it, I thought, yeah, we always get a new one. But then I started to read your story and uh, how you had two nephews that you lost uh, to gun violence yes. and that you are from right here, right? Mm -hmm. That you've walked these streets and that you've seen these streets. So uh, before I ask any questions, I, I just would say, is there anything about Chief Finer uh, that you would want people to know as you step into this new role? Hey, look, this, let me just say this starting off. Thank you uh, for your presence today and, and thank you for coming and visit with me. But most importantly, thank you for starting off our meeting with a prayer because um, I'm a spiritual person. Uh, I talk, I, I listen more than I talk, but uh, sometimes you have to speak up on things. But uh, I'm, I'm grateful to uh, be the chief of police here in Houston. It's, it's, it's a city. I've been here most of my life uh, with a few uh, exceptions of uh, a few years in college. But I know this city. I know what makes the city cry. I know what makes it laugh. And, and uh, we have a lot of work to do. But um, I'm not the traditional chief. Um, being raised up in the city and, and right here, my family have experienced uh, death, violent deaths, uh, both of my nephews, uh, my oldest uh, sister, son, and then uh, a few years after with my oldest brother's uh, son. So uh, we've, we've experienced it. And, and that gives me a, a, a unique perspective to understand and see what people are going through because you don't understand it unless you sit on that front row uh, in the church and a funeral. And then you, you, you begin to understand what other families go through. So uh, difficult times for my family, but rewinding and, and, and moving forward, God takes you through different things to prepare you and put you in a place to help others, you know? So uh, that's what I want to do. And you're no stranger yeah. to tragedy, not only the two nephews. Um, I currently have a sister uh, on my father's side of the family that suffers with lupus and yes. he lost a sister to lupus. Your aunt's funeral was at our church. You, yeah. You've had yeah. your encounters. And, and the mo I, I bring this up uh, not to jog your memory as if yeah. you don't know, but to humanize yes. you. Uh, for all 800,000 people who will probably see this to let them know that before we get into the uniform and uh, have questions about what's taking place on American streets, that there's a human behind that badge and that you bleed and that you cry and that you feel pain. What would you say to people who look at preachers and lawyers and doctors and policemen um, that w we don't have the luxury of having human yes. experiences. What would you say to people? Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you're hitting on that because we are human. And, and, and sometimes people forget that. And sometimes they group us all with one group. And the same as, as pastors and anybody else, you know, if one in our flock does something crazy and, and does something that embarrasses our profession, Sometimes people paint the brush and, and you got to look at us as human. And I ask that as I demand our officers to have positive relationships with people, I'm going to ask that of the community to reach out to the police officers, get to know them. Um, but right behind that, if a police officer mistreats you or do something, get it up to me and, and, and file that complaint so we can do something about it. But we are human and uh, the human 
nature and the human heart. You know, when you when you go in relationship and, and you go into good communication, we can accomplish so much together. Well, you got a big job. I mean, you got five thousand three hundred. Uh, HPD officers, you've yes. got 800 civilian officers, and you've got all of the jurisdictional officers outside of that that look up to you and right. take their beat from you. Absolutely. You've got a huge job. Yeah. And you've got a city that's growing so fast uh, that some statistics say that uh, we'll pass up Chicago for third largest here in I, the next several years. I think we probably already passed them, but <laughs> when they get when the census count get caught up, I think we're already ahead of them. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's a growing city. It's very diverse with, with, with a lot of issues, but a lot of good people as well. So you've got something going on right now as we're having this conversation. Uh, you've got the murder of a 20-year-old young African-American man there in Minnesota, and that's the last city, last state uh, near Minneapolis yeah. uh, that needs to be going through this with the advent of the uh, Chauvin trial with George Floyd. Yeah. Um, what would you say to Houstonians uh, who are afraid? I, I know African-American right. mothers who are saying, well, what do you do if, if you if you don't have a weapon, you get shot? And right. and social media inundates us yeah. with these images where uh, I saw a video yesterday where a Caucasian man was in his truck, yeah. actually put his hand on the gun, and they said, if you touch that gun, we're going to sick the dog on you. And he yeah. says, and if you do that, I'll shoot you. He yeah. started his car up, and he drove away. Yeah. And then the next image you see is this young man who rightfully shouldn't have been resisting, but that doesn't mean he should have lost his life. What do you say to Houstonians who are afraid of things like yeah. that? Well, let me just back up a little bit. I I, I, I want to say this. Um, people have to understand, and you have to give some 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 credence to an individual's pain. Our history, and when I talk our history, I'm talking law enforcement history. Okay. Since the very beginning, when it comes to community of colors, it's a dark, ugly history, and some things are still going on today. Uh, disproportionately, uh, males of color, unarmed, are being shot by police officers, and we got to do something about that. Now, I want to put things in perspective because you have 800,000 agencies, 800,000 police officers, I meant to say, 18,000 agencies. If you look at Houston, we run 1.5 million calls for service a year. The great, great majority of those calls end with officers respecting people, taking care of business. But if there's one incident where we overstep or, or an officer do, does something crazy, tr trumps over all our policies and our procedures and, and kills somebody, her, that individual needs to be held accountable. Okay. And what I've tried to do here in, in Houston throughout my whole career, not only just as, 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 as police chief, the sanctity of life has to be the most important thing. We have to police in a way, and I have to look at policies and procedures in a way that it addresses that sanctity of life. We want everybody to go home. We need to make sure our officers are respecting one another, one another, also the citizens, but doing everything you can do, slow down a little bit, talk to people. You know, you don't have to rush into a scene. Now, you're asking about the scene out in any other city, and I just want to say this, I don't have all the facts to it, but I'm not making any excuses, but I'm always very careful. If something happens here in Houston, I got our body-worn camera um, uh, footage, I got my investigators on, so I got a lot of first-hand knowledge. But uh, I don't want to speak too much about it, but I do want to speak to the overall problem. We have to do something about it. But you ask what can we do uh, in terms of fear. 
I have a young son. Everybody's seen him 10 years old. I have a grown son. I've had those conversations with him, and I just want to make sure, and what I always tell my son, no matter what, if you come into contact with a police officer, be respectful, obey their commands. You know what? We'll get you through it. You got to get home safely. You know what? A lot of times when the young brothers of, of, of color are, are running or doing something, it's because of a minor offense. We can get through that, you know. So um, I know that, and, and, and people, I had an interview a, a couple of days ago. I know that racism is in our society. And I'm not going to step a, a, away from that because if you have racism in, the, in, the, in society, it'll filter over in law enforcement and anything else. But I do believe the majority of our officers are good people. But we got to stay together as a community and we got to focus on those few officers that, for whatever reason, want to victimize or, or, or violate somebody's rights and, and, and do something so crazy and they end up killing somebody. The police department, the chief, the community have to come together. We need to identify those people and, and work on getting them out, not just painting a brush of all police or my police officers painting a brush of all a certain community. So that, that's, where we, that's where I am. I do think that the systematic problem is yeah. that we've taken a broad brush mm -hmm. to something that needs a fine-tooth comb, yes. as, as they yeah. would say proverbially. Yeah. And uh, when I look at uh, policing in America, I'm from Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana. Uh, I'm right there <laughs> outside of uh, Chicago, Illinois. I I, exactly I've seen yeah. everything uh, that we see on television. Yes. Now I moved to Houston. I'll tell you my drive here today. My drive, I come down Memorial and, and I see uh, uh, people happy and jogging with yeah. their puppies and, yeah. um, and everybody's excited. And, and I saw one lady kneeling on the ground, rubbing the dog. And then yeah. I get past that community right. uh, and I go through one of our wards and uh, get into a community of color mm -hmm. and I see a totally different story. Yeah. Do you believe mm -hmm. that law enforcement uh, uh, systematically, and not just uh, um, particularly with this city, but just systematically, do you think that there are two sets of rules, two different types of policing? Um, are, is one group police different than another? And if so, what would your advice be to people uh, who, one, recognize that, and two, you're the primary voice of yeah. law enforcement in this city. What would you say to people uh, uh, about patience and different perspective of how to get over that as you implement change. I, I just think that that just like I said, we got to look at um, you got to look at each individual incident. I, I don't like to say, well, you know what, this group is mistreated. This group is. We got to focus in on each individual incident. You know, and, and people say, well, is there different policing in River Oaks as it is in Fifth Ward? That's more crime in Fifth Ward. You understand what I'm saying? But I don't want to step aside and understand and, uh, and say, hey, there's no injustice in, in, in Fifth Ward based on the police officers. I want to look at each individual incident. If somebody comes in my office or paperwork comes up in my office and they file a complaint, I want to make sure that we address that to the fullest, make sure we understand what's going on. We look at that body-worn camera and all that. You, you know, so... I don't know per se if, it, if it's two different styles of policing, but let's be realistic because Troy Fenner, one thing, I'm the chief for a short moment, but I'm Troy Fenner for life. So I'm always trying to be truthful. So I told you from the only the, the on start of, 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 of this interview, 
there is a problem. There, and that's how, how, there's always been a problem with, with communities of color and, 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 and police officers. The, the, the question is, how do we solve it? You know, how do we make things better and safer for, for, for everybody? Not only Caucasian community, but, but all communities, no matter where you live, how, how poor, how rich, make it safer for everybody. And, and, and that's something that's not going to change overnight, but you hold people accountable. I think yep. that it changes by making sure that the majority of the people mm -hmm. who are being policed are being preached to, are yep. uh, being operated on, and I'm talking about different mm -hmm. professions, that those people who are represented by that majority are also represented in leadership. And I think yep. that uh, Mayor Turner made a great decision in making sure that the top police officer in our city is reflective of the majority of its inhabitants. I think that that's where it starts. I was looking at a video online just the other day and everybody's seen it. It's gone viral. It's a, uh, uh, an army chief and it's a young African-American mm. man. Sorry. And because um, an African-American uh, army uh, sergeant made a call, made a call, made a call, now this person is being brought to justice. And I think that the more you see people of color represented in positions of power, uh, we see systematic change. The second thing I think that is important for people who are watching us today is that you can't complain about a process you won't get involved in. Uh, you've got to vote, and you've got to yeah. vote, and then you've got to vote. And you can't just vote in the big election. You've got to vote in the ancillary elections and the smaller elections. You cannot complain about a process so you stand true. on the outside of. And so what I wanted to do today uh, is, number one, introduce you at least to the people we have influence over. Number two, to humanize uh, you as a ex as a person, so that the expectations on you uh, are not uh, insurmountable, and they will be. Uh, but I, I thank you for your heart. I thank you for your position. I thank you for your compassion. And let me tell you, from myself um, and people like me all around the world, uh, there are a group of people who question what is going on. Uh, but we're not all saying that police yeah. should be abolished, and we're not all saying. Uh, uh, let us police ourselves, because I don't even believe that that's the answer, because if people were capable of policing themselves, yeah. uh, we wouldn't be here in the first place. So let me tell you, you have the best of wishes from us. Uh, you have the prayers of the Lighthouse Church. Uh, we support law enforcement, uh, and we also support uh, doing it right. And you have every uh, method of support at our disposal to help you to do your job. Pastor, I thank you. And we got to have these difficult conversations, the conversation that you and I are having right now. It's uncomfortable for some people, but I'm one who understands that your perception is your reality. My perception is my reality. I cannot discount a person's history and their life experiences. Only thing I can do is, is sit down and give value to that and have honest conversations. How do we change this? How do we move forward? So I, I, I really uh, appreciate your support. Uh, I ask that you would pray not only for me, but all first responders and our entire city, uh, especially the young adults out there because they're at an age, and, and young teenagers, they're at an age where, where people judge them, but we were at one time 17, 18, 19, 20, 25 years old. Yeah. One time. <laughs> and, and, and we didn't have the best of judgment. Yeah. So I pray if a police officer comes in contact with my sons, either one of them, if they slow down, they de-escalate, and they give them a chance. And, 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 and you know what? 
everybody gets a chance to get home safely. But that's a lot of work, and, and I'm not going to be a chief that, you know, just brush over something. So I know everything is peaches and cream. No, it's not. Right. We have a lot of work to do in our nation, uh, building those relationships and, 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 and making it safer for everybody, especially right now those communities of color, because people are hurting. People are hurting. When, when young people see, uh, even if it's if it's 50 officers out of 800,000 or, or a couple of hundred officers out of 800,000 that shoot and kill somebody unjustly, it touches their mind. And, and it pulls that. us, it pulls pulls them farther away from us. Yeah. So we really have to work on that. I was, I was uh, recently in an environment uh, where there was a group of young people and, uh, you know, I'm, I'll be 40 in July, so I'm getting on up there. And and as I go past, I'm looking at all of these young people and I'm listening to all of us yeah. old people judging. Look at yeah. them, look at them. Yeah. And at first I was in on the conversation, yeah. then I thought, Slow down. I wonder yeah. when I was 20, mm -hmm. was I walking down that same street mm -hmm. and somebody my age was looking at me yeah. saying, look at him, look <laughs> at him. He's just, so I think that age right. does have a lot to do with perception. I'll right. say, I'll just ask this and um, and I'll let you go and fight crime and uh, build relationships. Uh, the the murder rates, mm -hmm. um, not just in Houston. I love my city, so I won't let anybody single right. us out. The murder rates in metropolitan cities across America right. uh, has risen uh, during COVID 30 to 35%. Yeah. Um, when I heard the staggering numbers of, of 500 plus odd murders in our city, uh, that's a lot more than right. when I got here. What is what is the um, the approach? What what's our plan to um, to get that violence down and, uh, and well and create an environment where he's when, when you when you safe. look in terms of murder, police don't solve and prevent murders by themselves. Okay, we can't put a police uh, patrol unit on every corner and prevent it. It just don't work like that. We have to really get our community and use them as a force multiplier. They got to get involved with us. They have to be good witnesses. I've talked about that so often on every interview. Every individual, because if, if death and destruction or violence is not at your door today, and it may be at your next door neighbor two blocks away from you, but if the entire community don't get involved, it's just a matter of time before it comes to your doorstep. So we have to work together. And, and, and that's a, a part of building that trust we have to do things where the public trusts us enough to come to us. If they don't trust us, if they see somebody get shot and killed or robbed, they're not going to come to us and be a good witness. So we got to do a lot of work. I have to be strategic and smart with my limited resources to look at where these crimes are happening, make sure I do everything I can with deployment and, 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 and my strategies to get these numbers down, and that, and that's that's what I want to do. I want to work with the with the community, um, make sure that we're focusing on those locations and those individuals who are violent and, and committing crime. Also, I, I spoke on the fractured criminal justice system right now. Over the last year, it's been a lot of throwing stones at one another. I'm, I'm not about that. I'm I'm not gonna say anything negative about judges or the DA or anything because. They throw stones back. And who's winning? The criminals are winning. We simply have to get behind closed doors, away from the Zoom, sit down and have some meetings. And, and my relationships with individuals in the criminal justice system, other leaders in the other branches, 
they're deep and they're respected. So I'm going to use that. Um, I've, I've had meetings already. We got a series of additional meetings. And, and I think that we can come together and say, hey, what can we do as a true criminal justice system? Because if it's cracks in it, nobody's winning but the, those violent criminals out there. So um, that, that's the way I want to look at it and, and focus on it in the first couple of months. And we'll see how we do. Well, there's an old saying that says uh, nobody wins when the family feuds. And yep. so uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation uh, with Chief Fender here in Houston, Texas. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best. And I hope your takeaways are, uh, as you watch this and as you comment, uh, you didn't hear a police chief uh, speak as if there were no problems. Uh, he was admitting uh, that there are fractures in the system. He's admitting uh, that we uh, have a problem with policing as it relates to people of color. But he also is asking for your help uh, to ensure that his job is easier because he cannot put a police officer on every street and every corner. And if he did, that still wouldn't help because a lot of things happen behind private doors. We need to come together and we need to police our cities and we need to uh, coagulate our resources and we need to be good witnesses. And if you see something, you have to say something. Uh, we are in this together. Let's fight to make Houston a better place and to continue to be a city shining on a hill. I'm Pastor Keon Henderson, the leader of the Lighthouse Church. I have had the great opportunity of meeting my new friend, uh, Chief Troy uh, Fenner here in Houston, Texas. We love you. God bless you. And we'll see you on the other side. Much love, Pastor. Thank you. Much love. All right.